1: Hi everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Gerhardt from the Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, this week I have a, a friend, uh, Marion Grob Finkelstein. And uh, Marion, thanks for being on the show again.
0: Oh, it's great to be here, Roxanne. Always a delight
1: to chat with you. So Marion's uh, been in the field of speaking for a couple of decades. She's a workplace communication specialist and, uh, you know, does a lot of keynote speaking and training. And recently, um, back in March, she launched her new book, which is uh, It's something I remember being around her actually visiting and we were talking about the concept of the book. And it's something that I think has been in fruition for quite a long time. So I'm going to tell you a little bit uh, about the book, and then we're just going to jump into it, because I I think this is a book that all of us can use on an ongoing basis. Um, It's one of those things that we can all relate um, to the concept of the book. So the the name of the book is called The Finkelstein Factor, um, aka what to do when things go wrong because you know they will. So I think most of us can relate to that probably more often that we want to, you know, say that we do. And there's a copy of the book there for anybody that's uh, that, yeah. Yeah, that can see the, the video. So, Marian, um, let's talk a little bit about kind of your, um, you know, your path into communication and, again, the book, because I think that's, the book has been a compilation of all the things, obviously, that you've done in your career and kind of what the concept of the book is. And we'll talk more about the actual book.
0: Well, my whole background has all been always been about communication and about people connecting and using communication as a tool to connect and One of the things I've found in working with clients nationwide is that whenever there's a conflict of any sort or a challenge of any sort, whether it's between people or between corporate goals and people not meeting them, or whether it's between your dreams your aspirations. You, whatever it is, and not meeting them, there's a communication piece in there. There always is. It begins with self-talk, how you communicate with yourself, and it ends with how you communicate with other people. And so that seed has been there for decades, honestly decades. And my whole background is as a, a former director of communication of international museums and Uh, or excuse me, international airports and national museums and federal departments. I I have a real good understanding across this country that even though this wonderful Canada is so diverse in so many ways, and that's what makes us so cool and neat as Canadians, we also have a lot of commonalities. And one of them is that we all have communication challenges, and we all have disappointments in our life. And we all can can benefit from building a little more resiliency and having a few tools that can help us do that so that we're not struggling as much and that's what that book is all about
1: so let's let's jump right into it because I would say that uh, you know I talk on, on resilience all the time, and it's something that most of us would like to learn more about so Tell us about the Finkelstein Factor and tell them about the title because I remember you uh, playing around with it and, and yeah. it's actually kind of neat the way you came up about with the, with the name. Um, just kind of tell them the concept and how it works with resilience in reference to the title.
0: Sure, of course. Well, the title is the Finkelstein Factor and the subtitle really kind of says it all, as you mentioned in the intro, what to do when things go wrong dot, 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 because you know they will. Sigh. Mm-hmm. Things go wrong in life. They can be little tiny irritating things that, eh, not a big deal. And they can be way up there, big life-altering things. We all deal with those. And so myself personally, as I mentioned, I lots of my clients have dealt with different things, different situations, workplace situations and challenges. And I personally have encountered some as well, as I'm sure you and every one of your listeners has in fact there's probably some people online right now who are dealing with a very difficult situation and they don't quite know what to do about it this book is all about don't give up there are some systems in place here that can help you just reshift the way that you think reprogram your mindset and give you a different perspective you know I joke about how when I've come through a really rough time, I joke about how I can finally see a light at the end of that tunnel. And for once, it's not a train. (laughs) That's what that book is about. It's getting rid of the train and it's providing a guiding light. And so what it does is, it's very systematic. It goes through different chapters of different steps, and they build on one another. You don't have to follow one chapter after another, but it, it doesn't hurt. If that appeals to you, if that sings to you, then by all means, do it that way. It's, it's actually written that way. But I know some people are going to jump to certain chapters that speak to them, and, and that's perfectly fine, too. It's very hands-on with lots of exercises, and it really is comprised of three steps. The first step is about acknowledge the loss. The second step is flipping a negative to a positive. And the third step, and possibly the toughest one, is about letting go. Mm-hmm. And it shows us how to do that.
1: And that, that's tough, right? Because when you're going through a tough time, the, in the instinct and all of, for most of us is that we want to kind of shut down and, and, and ready because we're, we're oftentimes in pain. You know, when, when we're going through a tough time and what we know basically is what you're saying is like, like learning to look at it um, and let go of whatever pain it is. But when we're in pain, it's harder for us to look up.
0: Yes, very much so. Right. When you're going through really, really difficult times, that social veneer gets ripped off and what's in, inside of each of us comes bubbling out and it can be really not too nice it can it can really look ugly we all have sides of ourselves that when you're struggling it's going to morph it's going to morph your personality and unfortunately stress does that and so what this book does is it it, it encourages you it it gives you a way to take that energy about bubbling Ugh, anguish and agony and pain, and it helps you to funnel it in a more constructive,
1: productive way that's going to help and support you. So tell me, tell me some of the, the ways that you suggest that people funnel it, you know, because I think oftentimes it comes out like it's a tsunami or a big ball, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> I mean, So true. and then you think, Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have reacted like that. You know, I, you know, I needed more time, those types of things, right? And in retrospect, I, you know, I think uh, you know, most of us want to learn how to not have that, that funnel cloud kind of following us. So what kind of things in the book do you kind of suggest or exercises that people could potentially try to, to have a different reaction um, when they're that upset? Well, the first thing that I encourage people
0: to do is to step back and look at patterns look at what are your stressors and to define what is it that's really really bugging you right now and just define the situation once you've defined the situation then what you do is you attach to that a description of what's the pain of what it is that you feel that you're losing what is it that threatens you about that situation that's that acknowledge the, the loss piece and you know a lot of us we're so anxious to skip to the solution and to get out of that hurt place that we don't take that moment to just step back and really put words around what that pain, what that loss is. And and sometimes we don't want to do that because we think we we can't admit that there's pain, that oh I don't want to say that I'm a lot that there's a loss, oh I'm gonna sound like where, 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 cry baby. Not at all, because it's by acknowledging and putting words around that pain, that is the very key to how you can help release it. That's the first step. So the first thing I would suggest to people is acknowledge the pain. Define the situation, whatever it might be. It could be a bully boss. It could be a colleague that's just absolutely miserable to deal with. It could be a really difficult client. It could be a goal that you missed. It could be a job loss. It it could be anything. And when you dig deeper, ask yourself, why is that loss significant? What is it that you're really losing? It's not just the surface stuff. You know, when I do workshops on the Finkelstein factor and the flip it formula, that's what I call it, uh, the second step about flipping the negative to the positive. When I do workshops about that and I ask people, what are some of the losses that you've experienced? There's certain categories that always come up. Some are workplace related for sure. And uh, some of those are things like job losses or job cuts or budget cuts. And what do you do do with that? that? What's What's the the loss of a job? When you lose lose a job, job, you lose more than a job. It's not just the job. You are losing confidence. You're losing contacts with colleagues. You're losing potentially future career moves. You're losing your, your existing vision of what you thought your career path was going to be. You're losing the certainty that the day before you got laid off, you had. You're losing so many things. You're losing financial you're losing your routine and for some people routine and process is so important and very comfortable for them Mm -hmm. so i invite and encourage your listeners to think about what is it that they've lost recently what is it that keeps them up at night what is it that they find in those quiet morning moments when they're all alone and they can't sleep Mm What is it that's running through their brain that they're thinking, oh, man, it really bothers me? And why? Ask yourself why. What is it that you've really lost? That's the first piece. Now, you're not going to stay there long. I'm going to pull you out of that in that book. I'm going to give you the, the process to pull you out of that quicksand. However, it's really important that you just live in that spot for a moment. Face, embrace, and Replace that pain with action as we move through the other exercises.
1: Would you say that? I mean, I, I think as a society we talk about sharing pain, but
0: mm-hmm. we're not
1: we're not conducive to you know when you see someone, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How, things are you know we don't we don't we don't create a space to say, hey, Roxanne, what really is going on? Because I think oh, so right. We say hey, you know, let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Even in our personal lives, but at work, it's even more of a taboo. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'll tell you something, and this
0: is something that I share with all my clients across the country, is people don't connect with perfection. People connect with people. Mm -hmm. And people are imperfect. Mm -hmm. It's those imperfect pieces that people relate to. Oh, my goodness. You know why I talk about communications? Because I've messed it up lots of times. (laughs) And I want to keep on learning. And I want to spare people those painful lessons that I've learned. That's honestly why I wrote that book. It captures so many of the systems and the thinking that I use in day-to-day life. I, I wanted to pass that on to other people. But I think that we're at a place now, thankfully, where people are beginning to talk about the hurt. And a lot, a large part of this is about mental health and mental wellness and mental illness. You know, we're not afraid to tell somebody, oh, I broke my ankle. But boy, we're afraid to tell somebody, yeah, you know what, I needed a little coaching in life. Mm-hmm. So I went to a psychologist, a psychotherapist, I went to a psychiatrist. I mean, holy cow, those people are part of your health team fantastic. I've been to all those people and will continue to do so (laughs) and encourage people to do so. My goodness. There's lots of people on Marian's health team. And I encourage lots of people to be on your and your listeners, everybody's health teams. Talk about it because not excessively, but that is exactly how people will relate to you. And that's how you will help to Enunciate what you're going through in doing so, it might help somebody else put words to that feeling that ambiguous feeling that they're having, and they don't even know how to describe it. You describing it might help them do exactly that. You know, on the point of not sharing, it's so interesting because, as professionals, you're a professional speaker as well, you're a professional uh, psychotherapist. There are so many people who will look to us and to all your listeners in their respective work roles and personal life roles as mothers, fathers, siblings, caretakers, and think, holy cow, they are so good at what they do. And wow, I really admire them. Oh, I could never be like that. And really, when we connect with those people is when that perfect facade kind of chips off a little bit and we see the real skin underneath. Like these wrinkles here, they're real, baby. They're real. I've earned them and I'm okay with them showing. It's okay to show your human side. I had a colleague say to me a couple weeks ago, I posted, I was going through a really rough time. In fact, I've been redoing my website. Eeks, anybody who's done that. Well, Roxanne, you and I have spoken on this topic. It ain't fun. (laughs) It is so stressful. Yes. It will bring out every ugly side of you that you never thought existed. (laughs) And man, oh man, I have called my computer things that I am embarrassed to admit. (laughs) And so on Facebook, on my Facebook account, my Marion Speaks account, uh, I went in there and I posted something about I was having a really rough time. Does, did anybody have any suggestions for a quick pick me up? Got lots of suggestions. And then I had a colleague write me personally a private message. And she said, mm, Not really sure you should be posting that type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. And I wrote her back and said, I am all about being authentic, being genuine, being real. Mm-hmm. For me not to post when I need a little help, a little boost, a little lift, would not be sincere for me. It would be off-brand for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And I encourage everybody, share. That's how people connect. And that's how you help yourself and others.
1: Well, I think that whole element of um, transparency or authenticity is key because what happens in workplaces, uh, for instance, you know, I've been through multiple right-sizing, downsizing, resizing, whatever you want to call them, yep. and it really depends on the tempo of the people that manage you around you that allows you to cope in a different way. You know, I often say that the managers or the seniors, we um, C-suite above you, if they say this is kind of hellish. We're all in it together. My goodness, let's just find a first paddle and we'll figure it out as we go. That was always more conducive to me because I would say, well, they're showing me that they're equally as vulnerable or feeling stress as I am versus the others that were more short or, um, you know, matter of fact or get over it or, you know, do three, you know, three times the amount of work with a third um, of capacity and, and things like that. Then I I know myself, you became angry and resentful of the latter. Because right. the latter was equally as in much pain as the first set, but mm-hmm. the second set is just saying, get over it, look at me, I'm fine. I've got that social veneer, like you called it, which I like that right. word. Um, yeah. And then they're oftentimes tougher because you know they're stressed also, but they're behaving badly. Exactly.
0: That speaks to that first step I was talking about, acknowledge the loss. And a real key about that is that step is important, not just for yourself when you're dealing with loss. It's important when you're trying desperately to connect with other people who are dealing with loss, like in the case of a lot of change management. Mm -hmm. If In a reorg, if you are in a leadership position, Of any sort, and personally, I believe that leaders are found at all levels in an organization. So if you're a leader in an organization, and you are, then I really think it's all the more important to acknowledge not just your loss, also the loss of what the other person is going through. When you do that, that is really where you bond on a deeper level, where you acknowledge the emotional Level because there's the logical level and the emotional level and lots of things are going on. They have to mesh together. They they have to be on the same wavelength. And so when you acknowledge somebody else's loss, that helps them move to the next step.
1: But I, I think that's so important though because you know I you know I've been in my career have had multiple positions and the ones that said to me, this sucks. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is rough. We've got another change coming. And and then I'd go, Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And then they'd say, So, you know, you know, how have you been doing? It's something as simple. That really, you know, would I had a, a CEO once say that to me, and we were going through massive flux. And I and he goes, How are you doing with the change? I go, joking around. I said, How about you? He goes, I'm there. He goes, I said, So am I. Right? Because of course, you know, you know at different levels of the organization what Information you're going to get, right? Obviously, you're going to get the information that you need to be able to function, and it's equally as stressful at one level as it, as it is another. But it's really, I, I like that whole element about um, the shiny and bright no longer shiny and bright. So let's just admit that it's not shiny and bright, especially when you look at change management. It's it's never a flawless, seamless um, approach. But people can make the difference between their approach. Indeed,
0: absolutely right. And shiny and bright. Appearing shiny and bright, you know, it just appears fake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does not appear. I have a, a, a person who said to me once that she really can't stand inauthentic people. Okay. And that everything in her life, she will only let the sunshine and lollipops version hmm. be presented to other people. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow. Paradox here. Like it's a, a contradiction. On one side, she says she can't stand in genuine people. And on the other hand, she will not say anything that's not less than perfect. Mm. So, warning to the perfect Pollyannas out there <laughs> you are going to disengage people if you appear perfect or think that you have to appear perfect. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're human holy cow. I mean, people connect most strongly when you show your
1: human side and your vulnerable side. Absolutely. I think that's the implicit connection that we're often looking for when we're going through a a loss. We want someone to say, you know, Roxanne, that's so familiar. It's maybe not the same, but I've had similar, a similar situation and boy, you know, I did this and this and this and it didn't work and maybe consider that. And then you kind of go, Oh, okay. That person's joining with me in some way. As obviously as a, you know, as, as a psychotherapist, I get it because that's what my job is in that context or as a coach. But when you do that in your everyday life, whether you're a neighbor, um, a husband or a wife a friend, a colleague, like, you know, I, I think it's amazing that you put out on Facebook, oh my God, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. Because you know what? All of us have, have been there or, or will be going there soon. Right. So then we kind of go, wow, yeah, it's no big deal. You get through it. It's, it's normal. Um, but I think that vulnerability is what a lot of people are afraid of. Because if I don't look put together, what does that tell people about me? Right,
0: exactly. Tells them that you're human. You know, if you're put together 90% of the time, well, that 10% are days like normal days where it's whatever, just not a great day. I'll tell you what, like for the last week, I've been battling a cold and today was the first day I woke up and went, yay, I feel okay. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I have hardly eaten in the last week, but I've been drinking tons of fluids. I've had no appetite. But today I woke up and went, yay, I've got appetite today. Hallelujah. so all that to say everybody has down days everybody has that 10 percent where you're not feeling great life goes on I find that both consoling and deeply disturbing sometimes but life goes on when we're having problems and challenges and and, you know I, I find some solace in that and you can do that by sharing some of that loss because when you do that as you were alluding to when bosses and colleagues share it tells people that you're not alone and humans the nature of being human is we are social beasts we are communal beasts we don't live on islands we don't live in solitude mm-hmm. if you do well some people do i suppose but mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> no not all people who live alone <laughs> i mean like remote alone 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 <laughs> uh anyways whole other topic but uh if we are communal people and so communing and finding that community and that mutual pieces those mutual pieces are so important on being human
1: and that's part of the acknowledging the loss so let's talk about the flipping of the the, because that, that i mean obviously that you know i think that's the that's oftentimes the 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 biggest pebble that should people be able to do that what they do is they they really are uh, they're able to bounce back a lot quicker so let's talk about some of the things that you've talked about in the book that right can use to kind of you know I leverage themselves out because the longer we stay in <laughs> uh, the harder it is to get out indeed well what I present is four questions I call them the four
0: flipping questions <laughs> uh, excuse me I'm going to cough <laughs> pardon me <clears throat> And I'm going to really focus on one right now that I've been told is exceptionally useful, and I know I use it in my vernacular, and my common speech, just about every day. And that is, how could it be worse? It could always be worse. You hear people say, well, it could always be worse. Well, how could it be worse? And so I invite people in that question to go into your situation and ask yourself, wow, how can I amplify this situation so it could even be more horrible? Now you might be asking yourself, "Why, why are you doing that? Well, you're gonna come out, I'll tell you why in a sec. We're gonna flip that in a sec and find relief and gratitude that it's not that bad, that's why. So let's look at the situation of, we were talking about a job loss, for example. How could it be worse? Well, it could have happened years before. It could have happened to more people in the organization. It could have happened uh, when you were at a more vulnerable place in your personal life. It could have happened before your child was born, but you've had several years to stash the cash. It could have happened when you were also going through a horrible divorce and you had just purchased a house And there were all these other pressures coming at you. So the timing could have been worse. So you can look at frequency, intensity, duration. It could have been, these cuts could have been coming over a period of two years and you're constantly waiting for the shoe to drop. How could your situation be worse? Then once you define all those ways and really think about it, like I mean, Not just, oh, well, yeah, okay, there's two or three examples. I mean, really think about how could it be worse. Wrap your head and your heart around that. And then breathe a sigh of relief because it's not as bad as it could be. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What that does is it helps to really plant the seeds of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't do that enough. Sometimes... We have a sense of gratitude, and it's very vague. We don't actually specify why it is that we feel grateful for our lives. Oh, yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah, I'm grateful for everything. Putting words around what you're grateful for really helps to empower you. Let me give you a personal example. It was about maybe four or five years ago. I was down in Florida, very grateful. And over the course of about a month or so, I started getting really stiff. I started such that my joints became increasingly sore. And I thought, "Ah, I can stretch it out. No worries. I can do this. So I stretched it out, did the yoga, did the uh, balancing, stretching, all the rest of it, till it got to the point I couldn't even stand. I couldn't even do a yoga pose because my balance, my ankles were so unsteady. I couldn't do the downward dog because I could bear no pressure on my wrists. I could barely lift my leg up to get into bed. I, I could not bend down to get the casserole dish in the bottom shelf. I couldn't raise my arms to dry my hair properly. I would have to time it. I knew I had about 10 seconds to wash my hair in the shower, so I would time it And 10 seconds, and then I had to put my hands down. I couldn't move. Those are just some examples. It was indescribable, the pain, Till I finally said to my husband, upon his insistence, okay, I'll go to the doctor. Well, it was not my regular doctor, but when they ran a whole battery of tests, this doctor said to me, when you get home, you need to see your regular doctor. And I said, well, what is the issue exactly? He said, well, I'm really not in a position to diagnose you because I'm not your regular doctor, but it definitely sounds like your inflammation is way through the roof. And it's likely some sort of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. And that is exactly what it was. He put me on some heavy-duty drugs, prednisone, And so I went on prednisone for about a week, 10 days. As soon as I got off that, hit again. Had to go back to him. I was so upset because we were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And I remember being in the doctor's office, sitting on his examination table. I had never been to Hawaii And we've been planning this for months and months with another couple of friends. And I remember breaking down into tears and saying, I'm going to ruin our 25th wedding anniversary. And he said to me, no, no, we're going to get you through this. He gave me another script. I went on the trip. I did everything I could. I remember we rented a Jeep and I don't know if you've been in Jeeps, but they're really high and I'm five foot two, not too high. And normally you would just hop on and get into the back seat. Uh, I couldn't pull myself up because my wrists were my vulnerable spot. So I remember putting my, my arms on the seat just like this and pulling myself up so I could get into the vehicle. All that to say, when I looked at that loss, it was tremendous at the time because I didn't know was I losing my whole life as I knew it and that's when I really realized I lead a very active life I mean Roxanne you and I as as speakers we travel I travel with carry-on only I could not lift my bag and put it in the overhead I would not be able to do that I didn't know if I was rewriting the whole future of my life I couldn't do yoga. I couldn't, I couldn't cook. I couldn't take care of my personal hygiene. I, I couldn't do anything. And it was horribly frightening. Now, what it gave me a chance to do is to exercise that step of how could it be worse. Well, it could have been forever. And it only hit me when I was in my 50s, my niece was in her 20s when she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. She's the first person I thought of. Mm. It could have been worse for me. It could have been more severe. It could have been that I didn't react to the first bout of chemicals, of uh, drugs, uh, the pharmaceuticals. It could have been that I might not have had a supportive husband. Oh, my God, he was amazing. It could have been that I didn't have a family who understood. It could have been that we weren't in a bungalow. I might have had to go up and down stairs. I didn't, we were on a first level bungalow. It could have been so much worse. I could have been traveling in a place where I didn't have access to medical. I could have not had insurance. It might not have been covered by insurance. It was, it could have been so much worse. And so when I thought of all those things, you know, now that I think of it, Roxanne, That might have been the beginning, one of the beginning seeds of the Finkelstein factor is thinking about all this. And I asked myself, how could it be worse? And it really made me so deeply grateful that it wasn't as bad as it could be. And the reason I share that with you and and your listeners is to let them know whatever situation they're going through right now, whatever challenges they're grappling with. Think about how could it be worse and then flip it. It could have been worse if I didn't have a supportive system. So what was the support system that I did have? I had my husband, my family, my friends, my colleagues. Mm -hmm. I reached out on Facebook. I reached out on social media and and got so much support. It was amazing. It could have been worse that I, I didn't have insurance. So what was the gift that, what was the, um, Grateful thing that I did have. Well, I had insurance and I had the ability to pay for insurance. Mm -hmm. Grateful, grateful. So, when you identify how it could be worse, Mm -hmm. you can also identify what you can be grateful for. And that's one of the key flipping questions because it really resets your mind. It really flips you into thinking of that negative as recognizing the positives that you do have.
1: Yeah, I like, I like that. And, you know, even I can think further if you think of, and I can think of multiple situations in my life where something that I was going through and I thought, Oh my goodness. And then when I look back now is those were some of the most amazing things that came out of those scenarios, taking it one step further. Right. And I think, wow, out of that major loss, this and this, and this was possible. So you know, kind of like you, the the what could be it could be worse, and looking at it, looking at it from a gratitude lens, puts you into a, a different state automatically.
0: Indeed, and it it accelerates that ability to recognize that gratitude piece. You were saying when you look back at that scenario. Well, the the whole key with the Finkelstein factor is to not wait until it's all over necessarily although you can it's really useful to use this book to revisit old hurts that you can't quite let go of yet that are still not quite healed it's also really useful as you're living something it's so great to have these tools and these questions you know what i was reading this book i'm i'm doing um a keynote on this And so I was reading this book to decide what excerpts and pieces and stories. It's really sprinkled with dozens of real-life stories, too. And as I was reading it yesterday, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm glad I'm rereading this because it reminds me of some of the things I can do right now with some of the things I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it's so practical. It's so Mm hands-on. And it's going to be very individualized according to you and your situation.
1: So and the last step is is letting go, is it? Okay, so yes, it is. Tell us about that step and what's uh, obviously letting go. We know it's a you know it's a concept. We all should let go of things once we've dealt with it. We've you know, but a lot of us you know they we carry it around with like uh like a, it gets heavier and heavier. Be, you know if we don't let go. And um, so, what are the some of the things that you talk about in the seed Factor about letting go?
0: Right. In the Finkelstein Factor, what I talk about is the let go, is I talk about the let go guide, which is this series of questions right here, right in the book. It's six questions. And it really, I I talk a little bit about each one of them, kind of delve into each one a bit. And what it does is it asks you different aspects about your situation to see if you've earned the right to let it go yet. Let me give you an example. So suppose you're dealing with a situation that's, um, let's say it's a work-related situation of a bully boss. And let's say that the first question is, do you control the situation? Do you have complete control of that situation? Well, If you don't have complete control, i.e. of how your bully boss is behaving, how they respond and such, if the answer is no, then maybe that's something you can let go of. If you don't control how somebody else is responding or how they're taking a fit or how negative they're being, maybe you can let go of that piece. Or maybe if somebody's responding in a very attacking way, you can control pieces of it, how, how you respond to them, but you don't control all of it. So maybe you can let go of that piece. Uh, another example would be, did you do your best? If you can look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I gave it the old college effort. I did what I could. I assumed responsibility. I educated myself. I gained the skills I felt I needed to deal with that situation. (coughs) Excuse me. I sought professional help. I'm thinking right now of financial crises. I used to work in an organization, I was the director of communications for the morale and welfare agency in in the government that provides morale and welfare for uh, the Canadian Forces members and their families. And a branch of that organization, SISUP is what it's called, provided financial planning and financial counseling. And financial counseling is beyond planning. It's when people are in crisis mode. And it's when they really need help to decide how can they control their finances and get them in order before something really drastic happens, like they lose their house or they get garnished or whatever the case is. And so when they look at that piece of, did you do your best? An example would be, if if you're dealing with financial crises, are you reaching out to the people, the very people who can help you? And I don't mean necessarily family members who can give you a big fat loan. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want someone, I'm not suggesting somebody bail you out. I'm suggesting you empower yourself with the tools and knowledge so you take responsibility for creating your own reality. You create. You are living the life right now that you have created. Ouch, right? Because if it sucks, you helped create it. So one of the pieces there is, not only do you control it, but do did you do your best? So part of doing your best is finding that support. Like we were talking about early in the session, be human. Let people know that you need a hand, a helping hand. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Reach out when you need help. In fact, I begin the Finkelstein Factor chapter two, which incidentally, and probably by no coincidence, the longest chapter is all about self-care. It's about taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. Self-care is not selfish. So doing your best means taking care of yourself, empowering yourself with the tools that you need to take care of whatever your situation is. It might be seeing a psychotherapist. It might be seeing a financial counselor. It might be seeing a communication coach. It might be getting a copy of the Finkelstein Factor. It might be whatever you need to do to move you from your place of pain and loss to where you want to be. So, That's some pieces. Those are the the type of questions that we ask in uh, The Letting Go. And, you know, the Letting Go piece always reminds me of a friend of mine who moved from Ottawa. I lived in Ottawa for 31 years. I now live in Niagara Falls, where I grew up in the Niagara region. And this friend had lived in her house for about 30 years, raised her two adult children there. Her husband and she were living there as empty nesters, and they decided it was time to scale down and move to a condo in Toronto, way scaled down to about maybe, a don't know, 900 square foot from about a 2,500 or 3,000 square foot home, huge difference, and I remember going to her basement, and whenever I think about letting go, I think of her, and I went into her basement. And I saw her getting ready for the garage sale that was taking place the next day, and I was there to help her the night before. And I saw little price tags on all her personal items. Oh, my heart just went out to her. I said, oh, wow, that must really hurt to see all your personal items with price tags on them, all the memories and all the attachment that you have to them. And she turned to me and she said, Arian, it is absolutely liberating wow and I thought what are the things that we are hanging on to that are keeping us tethered to the ground in our current positions that we can cut those ties Mm of, let our air balloon fly so for her it was those physical items isn't that interesting like I was looking at it from a place of loss and she was looking at it from a place
1: of letting go. What what a nice way because you know you're really looking at putting it in, in perspective. She had obviously um, lived a full life in there and, and gone through various stages and ages and, and memories, um, and then decided that now is time for a different chapter. So it's really the shift, the flip, the flipping of it, right? Oh, exactly. um, from one, yeah, from one thing to say, I've been privileged to be able to do. Um, all these things in the space, but now it's time to l- give it up to some maybe someone else who can also do the same that's coming from a different spot. And really perspective, right? Because we, I often say that we, we get so stuck in our own subjective reality based on so many things that when you stop and slow and start to really reflect, that's the only time we can really slow down and make meaning of what's in front of us. Indeed, absolutely right. And sometimes we need some, like oftentimes, like you said, to your point, um, we're mammals. We need to connect. And when we get stuck in our reality, it's hard because we're stressed and we're, you know, we, we become very, very pinpointed at what the problem is versus kind of backing up and looking at the aerial view of it, which is kind of what you know, sometimes we needed. It. And it sounds like these amazing questions will allow us to, to go into that space.
0: I have been told when I've done presentations that that piece about letting go is really powerful. Mm -hmm. I know it's something that I struggle with. And those six questions appear simple. They're not easy. They're simple. They're not easy.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And so they really are thought provoking and they're challenging. I mean, they really challenge you to dig
1: deep and to be honest and i what i like about it is it kept it keeps you unstuck like to your point you don't have to wait to reflect right after the event has happened which i think most of us do but you can kind of sit there and go how could it be worse like right now like how and then really you could you could kind of look at it it you could look at it as maybe you're catastrophizing but really what you're doing is like you said you take the catastrophizing and move it into a grateful pinpoint, because once we start to, regardless of what we're going through, I often say that, you know, when you open your eyes and, and you recognize, you know, I back onto the woods. So I open my eyes and I, I see the beautiful green or, you know, I have so my right, you know, that cup of tea that I like, or my favorite breakfast where I'd be able to sit <laughs> out and little things like that. It really, it boosts whatever you're thinking, which we all have negative thoughts. Yes, I often say to everybody, if you know somebody that only has positive thoughts, please have them give me a ring. Um, because I would love to bottle whatever they've figured out because what we know is that our brain is our brain, right? That's the reality. We have negative thoughts. We have positive thoughts. We have good things that happened. We have bad things that happened. But it's really we're the only variable, like the Finkelstein factor says, that can make the difference with how we cope. Exactly. In terms of the how could it
0: be worse, there's two words that really sum up how could it be worse. When you acknowledge how it could be worse and how it's not worse, you can preface that with at least. Remember those words, at least. Anybody who's ever golfed with me knows I use that phrase a lot. I will say things like I'll hit a, a ball. It'll be a lousy shot. I know you're shocked. <laughs> I'm only in it for the 19th hole, I'll be honest. <laughs> so I'll hit a lousy shot and I'll say it didn't go too far. At least it's straight or, oh, geez, it went into the rough stuff. At least it didn't roll into the water or it rolled into the water in Florida. Rolled into the water. Well, at least it's not by an alligator.
1: <laughs> you, sound, you sound like RJ when I golf with RJ. He'll say, Well, uh, that was pretty straight, Mom. Maybe it was towards the other hole. <laughs> at least. At least.
0: <laughs> exactly. I really encourage people incorporate the at least. Into your vocabulary, but don't do it until you acknowledge the loss. Because if you start using at least with somebody else who's expressing their pain or their situation mm. and you haven't acknowledged their loss, it sounds like you're minimizing their yeah. pain. You don't want to do that. Well, at least you've still got a job. I right. have a busy boss. Oh my God. He's here. She is really nasty to me. Well, at least you've got a job. <laughs>
1: doesn't help. (laughs) Of course, that's like a back, that's a backhands for support, right? It's not good support. Well, Mary, this has been amazing. Um, I have read parts of the book, and I haven't read all of it. But what I'm hearing, uh, definitely, I think it would be something that I could even recommend to the people that I coach.
0: I should be mentioning too. Yes. Miss Roxanne is quoted in the book. She's referenced in the book. Because in our chit chats, when I was developing the book, She had mentioned a really useful exercise or a question that is in the book. So she has formal recognition right in there.
1: I didn't. I didn't realize it because it was an informal dinner that we had gotten together, and then she told me after. So I was. I felt very special that she she uh, took the time to put me in the book. Now, Mary, you have a couple of things coming up, and uh, and uh, I'm in Niagara, so I will be there. Um, hey, and I would like uh, others that are close by, or even if you'd like to come into town to come and uh, spend time with Mary, because uh, I think it'll be a good experience. So tell everyone about the book launch and also where they can get the book. And I know there's an e-version also and in the links for the podcast you'll be able to uh, you know uh, be able to connect and and get all these resources also.
0: I'm really excited to share with your listeners that the book launch will actually be on Thursday September the 12th in St. Catharines at one two loft one two three it's called because it's at one two three Queenston Street It's in a little strip mall. You know what? It's not a fancy place. Don't be put off like, oh, what is this place? It's beautiful once you get into it. And the reason I chose that venue, honestly, is because I'm going to use her story in the presentation that night about how the owner, the manager of that place flipped a negative to a positive. And it's going to have a presentation about the Finkelstein Factor followed by Q&As. All the information is on Eventbrite.ca. Just go into Eventbrite and search for events in St. Catharines or um, on September 12th. And this one will come up. And I look forward to seeing you there because I'm going to be offering the book at a special price um, at certain venues this book sells for 26 dollars however that evening and on my website it sells for 20 dollars on my website uh, marianspeaks.com you can order it however you're going to pay for the postage that way which is eight dollars but if you come to the event if you're able to there's no delivery involved so you get to pick it up and save a few bucks which is always great or you can order the e-version anytime and it's delivered immediately at marianspeaks.com. Go to the tab, order book, and you can order it right there. So that's how they can get in touch with me. And I really look forward to meeting people because technology is great. There is nothing that beats face-to-face. Absolutely. Absolutely. So oh, and another thing I wanted to mention, this venue is going to have coffee, tea, and a wine bar. <laughs> Nice,
1: nice. A- even more reason—a wine bar. <laughs> there you well, go. so Marion, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. So, what I, when I think about this, uh, you know, things happen to all of us all the time. Life is rich; it, it gives us the potholes as m- as much as the uh, epiphanies and the great things. So, t- these uh, steps that uh, Marion has shared today is going to just help us to as we go month into one month's good, one month's not good, one week's fantastic, two weeks are horrible. That's life. And recognizing that at the end of the day, you can be in that state, space and still get through it and still be grateful for all that you have because we are so very lucky um, to be able to spend this time like we have today. Miriam lives right here in the falls. I'll be able to see her at her book launch and be able to see Steve again and, and spend some time with you both.
0: Steve, my husband, incidentally, was
1: the inspiration for the book? <laughs> and that's his last name, Ms. Finkelstein. So that's right. he, he is definitely a, the main re, one of the main reasons <laughs> for the book. Uh, so for everyone, um, what I would say to you is, uh, life happens. You can create this, uh, the space to deal with what life provides to you in, a, in in a way that you can get through it. So if you're needing any additional information on me, it's Roxandra Hodge. Um, and I can be reached at roxanderhodge.com. I'm a mental health and wellness expert. I speak on authenticity and leadership and I do trainings and workshops. So thanks so much for your time again, Marion, and we'll see you soon. Bye everyone. My pleasure.